Okay, let's say that I've got an autonomous vehicle. I got a little testing going. Um, Jamie, would you take a ride in it? Yes. Would you put your child in it? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Lloyd, how about you? Yeah, I, I, w- I would take a ride in it. It's, it is a bit of a leap of faith, right? It is, it mm-hmm. is technology that's still in development. And, and it, it, understandably, folks are bringing some skepticism, especially when you see a lot of media attention to the Tesla autopilot mm-hmm. incidents, mm-hmm. some problems that Cruz has had out in San Francisco. What you don't hear about in the media, it's kind of like the cat that doesn't get caught in the tree. You don't hear about the one million miles of problem-free testing that they've had thus far. So what will it take for people to get over their hesitancy and to maybe adopt, if not just consider, autonomous driving? Ipsos is a market research firm that has done some really interesting uh, investigations into that, asking people what their uh, impressions are. And this is time for our mobility makers, brought to you by Bridgestone. Getting people down the road matters, but getting generations down them, that's what really matters. Bridgestone, visit whatreallymatters.com to learn more. We turn to the uh, Automotive and Mobility Development Director for Ipsos, who has uh, done a, a great newsletter on this that caught my attention. He is Graham Gordon. Graham, good morning. Hi. Thanks for having me. So one of the things that really sticks out in this research from your firm is that robo-taxis, these autonomous ride-hailing services that we've seen in the Bay Area and elsewhere, have have had the opportunity to change perceptions. When people have gotten into them, how influential are they? Well, I think it's been really important because they're they're doing two things. Number one, they're giving these companies and startups an additional way to kind of accumulate data to, to develop the autonomy, um, but then they're also making it more available to those that may not have access to a vehicle with any sort of suite of, of autonomous features. And what we've seen the past few years is that these experiences with a semi-autonomous vehicle or mode, uh, and as that goes up, the, the consideration metrics and the overall sentiment surrounding autonomous vehicles also goes up. So by giving people another avenue to experience it, even if they're not even you know in the driver's seat, it's it's crowdsourcing the data collection and it's priming the public for for an autonomous vehicle future what is the icebreaker for first-time av riders what prompts them to use it well it's still situational because it's only in select cities and you got to stay in whatever imaginary lines the companies are are setting up Uh, but from what we've seen it's it's mainly rooted in convenience it's not to the point where you're going to be replacing any of your you know, regularly regularly used personal vehicles or public transit, um, but it's giving you more flexibility and, and more comfort when you're in a new city or or you're traveling, you know, to or from the airport or you're out on the town for a, a date night within some sort of uh, city center. Uh, because at the end of the day, for for those companies, a car without a driver still has way more street smarts and knowledge about navigating the city than, you know, someone like you or I would in a rental car. So it's all about making sure that you're kind of more comfortable in this foreign place versus uh, everyday use. It was interesting that time of day seemed to matter about trying one of these because you find that there aren't as many vehicles available, let's say, after midnight. But the autonomous vehicles (laughs) were still on the road when you don't have a driver that needs to get home. That's exactly right. And it's it's always available and it's always and, and there's less traffic for them to even deal with, too. So it's it's a better time to use it. 
Graham, how broad is the understanding of the different levels of autonomy? I mean, do consumers really understand that adaptive cruise lane centering, that's a form of autonomous driving? <laughs> that's a great question. Uh, I don't necessarily have data on that, but I do think education is a pain point, um, especially when you're talking about level one, two, three, four, and five, because that's such a foreign concept that needs, you know, explanation. Uh, and the naming conventions of the features and, and some of the suites of features that the OEMs have don't really help much either because there's this tug of war between maybe what's attractive sounding from a marketing perspective and what's actually practically included. Um, but really, if you know, there's a lot of minutia, but if you condense it, it's all of these auto manufacturers right now are, are packaging something with level one or two autonomy, which is taking over certain aspects of the driving. Um, level two is, is really what you just described, right? It steers and it accelerates and brakes for you. We are seeing stuff like Mercedes just getting approval in uh, specific states to offer level three, which is handling all of the driving functions with you in the driver's seat. Uh, and then those robo-taxis that we were talking about are, are level four, which is they don't even need a driver. Cruise recently halted their ride experience in California after some incidents. How's important, how important it is for them to get back on the road? Uh, it's, it's tough because to me, I, I, I think it's just as prudent to take a break when you look at what happened because there are two realities. Number one is no matter how unique of a situation it was, uh, I think it's serious and I think it needs to be better understood from a reaction standpoint. Uh, so when these types of scenarios pop up in the future. But the other reality is that in the aggregate, these vehicles still have been as safe or safer than human drivers. Um, so I don't necessarily know how long anyone intends on halting the service, and I do think they need to get back to their research, but I think there needs to be a bit more proactivity. I think there needs to be uh, a more collaborative and, and transparent um, work between these companies and these governments to make sure that they know exactly how to handle these situations um, and, and kind of hold back on the overreaction on public sentiment that we've seen over the past month. Um, because it's, it's halting progress on a really, really, I think, important um, shift in public life. And we, we want to make sure we do this right. How much have the, has the ride hailing moved the needle? And, and how many of your respondents said, no, not ever, ever, ever? <laughs> <laughs> there, is, there is a lot of it. We also have... Um, you know, questions about, uh, you know, the benefits and the concerns and whether or not they even think it's possible. And is this um, age related as well? I mean, you would yeah, think who that, are the people you would think that yeah. older folks that may see their mobility skills decline, their driving skills decline, might be more willing to try it. See, and of I course, think that'd be less willing. Younger folks. People. Well, yeah, but they're the ones that need it the most, especially if they've got disability issues. So who, who do you see now as being the folks that are most willing and maybe the most persuadable? Mm -hmm. Well, you you hit the nail on the head about the disability issues. I think it it definitely gives a, um, a a more inclusive solution to mobility for those that might not be able to. But it is younger people first and foremost. We cut the data a lot of ways, and I think age is the one that really stood out to me. The the younger Gen Z and millennials are the most likely to consider autonomous driving. Um, but what what we are seeing is an increasing consideration year over year for the past couple years. And that's across the board, regardless of age. Um, so it's, it's good news that everyone is starting to open up to it. Now, it's still um, pretty low in terms of the, the numbers, but everyone is starting to consider it a bit more. And it's driven mostly by those younger drivers, which is good because those are the, the, the future of the industry and the future um, makers of society. 
you know, driving in in an urban environment, I would think would be challenging, but it also, I guess, could be uh, the best opportunity for exposure. That's exactly right, because the only real part of the map that has really been mastered with uh, autonomous vehicles have been interstates, right? Because it's about as uniform as as you can get of an experience from coast to coast. Uh, cities are a lot more unique. Uh, they're they're different depending on where you are, um, and I also think they have, they have not only these in- intricacies from city to city, but you also have a lot of things popping up. Whether it's um, you know parades and sporting events or uh, construction or different blockades that are are changing the routes. Um, so it's probably the most difficult part to start at, mm-hmm. but it's also going to get you the best return on the investment because you're you're figuring out. Uh, the same exact place that you should be starting because that's where people are going to be using it more often. Tell your clients that we could have used some yesterday at the Lions <laughs> tailgate. <laughs> that's exactly right. <laughs> Graham, we thank you so much. Uh, great research on the part of Ipsos and a, a, really, a look inside and in these changing uh, attitudes and how familiarity, even if it's just a brief ride in robo-taxi, can make a real difference uh, appreciate the research appreciate your time graham thank you very much guys all right thank you graham gordon um full disclosure graham's my youngest son uh and, great and, and so he sounds really sent, smart sent, good sent, job. Sent, sent me this research and i said oh that's really good stuff that's a mobility makers and so forgive me a, a, a little point of dad pride yeah here. that's it, okay yeah, yeah. yeah. so Absolutely. Yeah. I forgot to tell him to call his mother because it's his birth her birthday what time? today. What I time know he'll is remember. It? What time is it where he lives? Oh, he's here. Oh, he's oh, here. Yeah. Okay. okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, Graham, call your mother. Oh. <laughs> On it. <laughs> All right. And uh, we'll see you for, for Halloweening with Miles later on this evening. He's got a one-year-old that's going out. Uh, so thanks again, Graham. Uh, 644 News Talk 760 WJR. When we come back, we're going to check in with Jonathan Savage, our Fox News radio correspondent. The Gaza Strip invasion is in day number three now. A lot of calls for ceasefire. Why? Bibi Netanyahu says absolutely not. Next on JR.